Welcome to The Cap, where we are here to speak with college reps and other professionals in the field of college admissions to help answer all your questions and guide you through every step of the process. So if you're serious about college admissions, you've come to the right place. Are you ready? Let's talk about it. And now, here's your host, Dr. John Durante. Welcome to The Cap, the College Admissions Process Podcast. I am your host, John Durante. And I am here to introduce you to college admissions representatives and other professionals in the field of college admissions. Our purpose is to serve you, the students and parents, so that you may gain insights straight from the people who ultimately make the decisions, regardless of whether you will apply to a particular school being highlighted in a given podcast episode, you should listen to all of them, as each guest will give you tremendous insight and advice on every aspect of the college admissions process. Lastly, if you have any questions you'd like me to cover on future episodes or any comments you'd like to share, please email me at collegeadmissionstalk.com at gmail.com. And don't forget to visit our website at www.collegeadmissionstalk.com. So are you ready? Let's talk about it. Welcome to The Cap, everyone, the College Admissions Process Podcast. I am your host, John Durante, and it gives me great pleasure today to introduce you to Ryan Hoffman, who is the Assistant Director of Admissions at Hobart and William Smith Colleges. Ryan, how are you doing today and welcome. Doing excellent, John. I appreciate you having me on and I'm excited to share a little bit about myself and about Hobart and William Smith Colleges to your listeners today. Well, it is a pleasure and honor to have you and we look forward to hearing all about it. How long have you been in admissions and how did you end up in this position? Yeah, so I've been in admissions for wrapping up my third year um, one year as a student worker in the admissions office as a senior intern, and now two years on staff full-time as the assistant director of admissions here. And what I currently do with admissions is, of course, the everyday admissions process um, as a regular admissions counselor on staff, but I also am an athletic liaison with a couple athletic teams where I'm kind of the middleman between the recruits and the coaches. I'm also an advisor for a fraternity on campus, which is exciting. And then um, finally, I'm actually an assistant coach for the Hobart football team. Fantastic. Yeah, so it, it's great. It's great and, and really enjoying all my roles and, and different activities with the colleges. Well, it sounds like you wear many hats and obviously they're very lucky to have you. And I'm very interested to hear more about the fraternities and the athletic opportunities. So let's get right to it. And again, thank you for being here. What is it about Hobart and William Smith Colleges, Ryan, that make it so appealing for students to want to apply and ultimately attend? Yeah, definitely. And I think to answer that question, there's kind of three areas that makes us super unique, locationally, academically, and then life outside the classroom. And to begin with locationally, I mean, we're in the heart of the Finger Lakes region. Um, we're in a small town called Geneva, New York. And to kind of put us on a map, we're about 45 minutes west of Syracuse, 45 minutes south of Rochester. Um, and we're on the north end of Seneca Lake, which is one of the 11 Finger Lakes. And it's the deepest out of all of the 11 Finger Lakes at about 618 feet deep. Wow. And it's just a beautiful location in the sense that, you know, families from all across the world, all across the United States come here to vacation, come here to enjoy, which, which is most known for the wine region. And so... 
it's a unique opportunity because right in our backyard, we have people come and celebrating birthdays, celebrating weddings. Um, and it's just, you know, when you look at it, when you come and visit, totally different picture. But when you look at it through the internet and through pictures, you're just kind of stunned on, on our just geographic location in general and what's to do around us. And then academically, we're super unique. We're a small liberal arts college, private institution. And we have 68 different minors and 45 different majors. We have a couple of pre-professional programs and we have two master's programs as well. And what makes us super unique is a ton of different directions academically. And I think the first one is, is kind of how we do academics in two cents. One is kind of like something called our eight goals and many schools call them distribution requirements. But I feel that this is how we do interdisciplinary learning and how we do it is the sense that, look, you have to accomplish these goals. We like to say these skills prior to graduation, such as quantitative reasoning, ethical judgment, social inequalities, critical thinking, communicating effectively. And you have to accomplish these goals kind of best based off of you and your curriculum and how you can best be successful. For example, if you're not the greatest math student, quantitative reasoning is going to come a little bit harder to you once college arrives, right? And so you can accomplish quantitative reasoning through a meteorology class, through a, a psychology stats class, through an elementary education class. So we find students really getting outside their comfort zone and growing as an individual, but also growing academically um, to, to be the best student and the best overall person upon graduation. And so we find students kind of jumping around in different areas and, and, and really figuring out how to explore those eight goals. But with our main curriculum, we want all of our students to have two areas of concentration, a major and a minor. And so you can double major, you can double minor here at the colleges, um, which makes it about, with those 68 minors and 45 majors, about 3,000 different opportunities um, to kind of cross your academic areas. And what a lot of students kind of gravitate towards here academically is our architectural studies, our economics, our environmental science, our health professions, and our media and society. And so that's where we see a lot of our students kind of gravitating towards. That's a little bit about us academically, but life outside the classroom, what makes us super unique and um, different from a lot of small liberal arts colleges is something called our centers. And these are 13 centers across campus that are university level centers just at a small liberal arts college. For example, maybe it's right down the road, which is our... Um, our Centennial Center for Leadership, Entrepreneurship, or Innovation, where you might take your first public speaking class. Maybe it is the Center for Global Education, where you might study abroad, where 65% of our students study abroad um, to about 59 different programs we have to offer here. Maybe it's um, our, our Intercultural Affairs Center, where you want to broaden yourself globally and with equity and inclusion. Um, and then one center that, that I truly loved during my experience was the... Um, was a career service center. You know, there's a statistic that I heard during my visit, which was a while back, and I love to um, always tell families about it now. And it's that 53% of our students walk across stage with a job internship or research opportunity in their hand. Wow. Did you say 53%? 53%. That's amazing. Yeah. And it, it's something that, uh, you know, students value different things during the college process, of course. But um, when you're looking at different institutions and you kind of hear that, and you hear how Hobart and William Smith Colleges values it. It's something that um, goes a long way during the process. So 
I can continue talking on about our college, but that's that's a little bit about you know um, why students apply, what makes us unique, what you know what makes us different from a lot of small liberal arts colleges. Well, thank you for all of that information, and we certainly want to hear a lot more about Hobart and William Smith Colleges in terms of what you offer in the classrooms and beyond, which leads me to my next question. Many students and their parents have reached out suggesting I ask about life on campus. Ryan, what could you tell us about life on campus outside of the classroom? Yeah, there are so many different things to do um, on campus, and I think that also contributes to where we're located too and, and, and what's around us in this small town in Geneva, New York. But life outside the classroom comes in so many different ways. I think you know students kind of gravitate towards their interests, towards their passions, but also want to get outside their comfort zone as well. And on campus specifically, what, is, what does a school hold for our students? And we have something called CAB, which is our, our campus activities board. And it's run by students to give other students opportunities, life outside the classroom, in the sense that there's many different things seasonally. So, for example, in the fall, of course, we have our homecoming weekend, um, but we also ha- will have like a movie, like Friday Flicks, where it's like an outdoor movie on our quad. We'll bring food trucks in. Um, closer to the winter, we have our winter wonderland where we build an ice skating rink and and we have a live band, and there's axe throwing, and there's fire pits, and there's different outdoor games. Um, we have our, our Welcome Back concert in the start of the spring semester. Um, we have different activities, such as the colleges host like a big tailgate for our um, – we, we always play Hobart versus Syracuse every year. It's a really long rivalry. And so that's, okay. that's always super exciting for uh, students to take advantage of. Um, so our campus activities board – We'll actually have in our um, in our academic spaces, and it'll show what's going on each week, what's going on over the weekend. They have a cool Instagram account for students to stay active and really see, you know, what's going around. Not just these big events that I um, just mentioned, but also some of the smaller ones that that you can take advantage of on a Saturday afternoon, on a Saturday night, on a Friday night, um, and then outside of that. Students love to just take advantage of kind of what's around us. In this Finger Lakes region, there's so many different opportunities. Being five minutes, five minute walk from downtown Geneva um, enables students to to really immerse in the community and get involved in many different ways. And um, of course, you know, there's so many opportunities with all the state parks and all the waterfalls and the lakes and themselves that that students can take advantage of. We have this dock which is right on campus, not on campus, but it's a a two minute walk from campus and it's utilized solely for our students. And you can just enjoy the dock with your friends. You can rent a pontoon boat, you can rent a kayak, you can rent paddle boards and you can utilize what's outside of, you know, the college itself being that we're right directly on this lake. So um, there's so many different opportunities, not only on campus, but also, um, off campus with what's what's around us with the environment. Well, I've been in the area and it is absolutely beautiful. Being in the Finger Lake region, seasonally there's so much to do off campus. Obviously in the winter, I know that the skiing in the area is phenomenal and being right there on the lake, like you said, renting a boat, fishing, taking a hike, taking a walk, those all sound terrific. I wish I were up there with you right now as we get closer to the spring. So let me ask you, how many applications do you review a year and do you represent a specific region? 
Yes, so I do represent a specific region. I am the regional manager for these regions. So it's Long Island, and then it's Florida, Georgia, Ohio, Illinois, and Indiana. Wow, that's some commute, Ryan. <laughs> yeah, so it's been awesome. I, I was I was able to visit around 130 high schools this this past fall. So that's fantastic. But um, application wise, yes. Yeah, so um, with our office, we hover around 5,000 applications, um, and wow. and it, specifically with our regions, um, different regions vary on on you know who gets more and who gets less, and and. Um, it's kind of based on that. But yes, for our specific review process, we review um, based on our regions. And then it's kind of a buddy system where we have someone else with us to also review those applications. So for example, I am the buddy system to my colleague who represents New Jersey and Pennsylvania. And so um, we're kind of co-compatible with those regions in terms of the review process. That's fantastic. And thank you so much for that insight. Can you walk us through the process of how you evaluate so many applications? People always ask about the process. So any insight you could provide, and I know you already provided some, but any further insight you could provide would be appreciated. Yeah, so specifically, um, we each represent a region, and those are the applications that we review. And like I said with that buddy system, now in terms of um, a committee for example, there are different committees um, where some of these applications will be pushed to. And for example, let's say the student is on the cusp and we maybe disagree, me and my co-compatible um, colleague who are reading this region, then we will push it to a committee um, who will re-review it all and either agree with one party or agree with the other and then push it, <laughs> push it along um, in that way. But in terms of evaluating the application, um, we review holistically. So, so the entire application is what we evaluate. And so it's not just, oh, here are the classes you took and here are your grades. And this doesn't, you know, this isn't up to our bar. We're going to not accept you, so on and so forth. But how we do it is, of course, we start with what you're providing us with the application from from your essay from from your activities and then kind of transitioning through your letters of recommendations you know what's your counselor saying about you what's your um professors and what's your teachers saying about you as well and then we we go a little bit more towards the academic side of things we are test optional we've been test optional for about 15 years now um so we understand some test scores might not reflect the student and so um, that's kind of how we review it. And then academically, um, we're going to review your your transcript. What classes are you taking? What's the rigor of them? Um, how did you perform in them? Uh, and, and so we review holistically and, and in many different areas um, will be the best reflection of the student and, and how they would be a great fit here at Hobart William Smith Colleges. Well, again, Ryan, thank you so much for that insight. So let's talk about the freshman class. What is the average profile of the current class in terms of GPA and any other information that you collect? Yeah, so the average class um, has a GPA roughly around a 3.55. And from an SAT, ACT standpoint, the SATs range between um, a 11.80 and a 13.60. And then ACT is anywhere between a 27 and a 31. Um, that's a little bit about the freshman class in terms of, of you know, their actual 
requirements academically. Um, but we've seen this past year that a lot of a lot of the incoming class are are athletically gifted, and in the terms of we actually found a, a stat that that I believe it was like eighty seven percent of our first year class played a sport in in high school, whether it was you know just an intramural type sport or whether it was actually a varsity sport. So that was that was something interesting. But overall, our our first year class is very um, wide ranged in terms of you know their academic interests, what they were involved in in high school, but also where are they coming from. Um, 60% of our students come from outside of the New York state and 40, 40% of them come from inside New York state. And so it's ranged anywhere from California to Florida, to the Midwest, to the new England area. And so, um, in terms of our kind of freshman class average, that's, that's a little bit about that. I find that very interesting that 60% of the class is from out of state. That is a very interesting statistic. I appreciate you sharing that. And so, Ryan, if a prospective student falls a little below the current freshman class average, what are some of the things they can do to increase their chances of being admitted? Yeah, and I think it it goes back to having that holistic review of the application. You know, we understand the transition from middle school to high school um, is a little rough around the edges at first, and and how you can bounce back is is show an increase in your grades over the years and, and continue to climb and get better academically. Um, but also get involved with what your school has to offer, um, whether that is athletics, whether that is clubs, whether that's community service, whether, you know, just showing that there is more to, you know, the mishap of your freshman year and showing that you are being involved and being committed to your community and your school um, and, and, and showing it in the classroom. You know, maybe you stumbled during your freshman year, but through what your teachers are saying about you and your teacher recommendations shows who you are as a student and, and, and how committed you are um, to being successful in the classroom. Great advice, Ryan. I really appreciate that insight. Going back to the application, do you use the student's high school GPA as indicated on their transcript or do you recalculate it using your own calculations? And if so, what do you look at from a student's academic record? And how do you evaluate them? Yes. Yeah, so we take it right off the transcript. And we use our professional judgment in a couple ways. If we see that it's really inflated on the transcript due to whatever <laughs> circumstances, then yes, we are going to um, go back and recalculate it. We also recalculate based on if a, if a student went to one school for a year or two and then transferred to another. Um, that's, right. where, that's where we will... Um, incorporate the recalculation of it. But yes, for the the most part, we will take it right off the transcript. Understood. And thank you so much for that, Ryan. I appreciate it. A student's activity sheet is another piece of their application. What are the kinds of things you are looking for beyond the work they did in the classroom? Yeah, what what we like to see is is something to show that that they care about the school, the community, and then something else passion-wise. And this could be a repeat, um, but it could also be a passion in terms of, of sports, playing the piano, and, and, and more. You know, on the Common App, it shows that, you know, list these schools, sorry, list these activities as important to you. 
And so some, right. some schools just load it from the first three in their systems and, and, and some data is produced to make these decisions on these first three. So um, in terms of listing them as important, um, you should show that on the Common App. But what we like to see is commitment overall and the depth of the commitment over these types of activities. Are you playing the piano for four years? Are you playing it for three years? Or do you do it each week, bi-weekly? Sports, do you, are you on a team for all four years? Were you on JV for two? Did you move up to varsity? Um, commitment level. So fill these pages across rather than down. You know, it's the quality over the quantity, but also don't shortchange the activities. Um, for example, many, many students forget to list part-time jobs. And right. um, it's so interesting because it, I think it was like, there's a stat that says less than 20% of high school students have a part-time job. And so wow. when you're looking at that and us as counselors looking at it, we're going to say, well, this shows something about this student. And so um, it's something not to shortchange in terms of extracurriculars listing it and showing us as, as uh, counselors really, really what you're getting involved in outside the classroom. Well, that's great advice and quite an interesting statistic only 20 percent of the students have a part-time job which is uh something very interesting and i'm glad you shared that because it's a good point in terms of if you have a part-time job list it be proud of it because it's definitely something that's going to help you stand out if the number is that so is that low in terms of how many people actually have one so i appreciate that ryan how important are students grades in senior year and can you give an example of why a student's senior year grades made you change your mind regarding their admissions status. Yeah, and senior grades are super important in our process. And similar to like how you can bounce back from your freshman year, um, this shows, you know, the like I said, the incline of how you're doing from your freshman year to your senior year. But this also indicates senior year in terms of how you're going to transition into college. And how, what classes are you taking? Are you, are you continuing to challenge yourself senior year? Or are you just taking it easy to get ready for college? And so we like to see students who are challenging themselves senior year and also staying atop of what they've done over the years to continue themselves um, high achieving academic success um, during that senior year. So we, we, we do take senior year into effect upon reading applications, especially in our early decision process. We actually require senior grades through our early decision process, um, like I said, to, to show how the student's doing academically, um, and is it, are, are they continuing to be successful in the classroom, and how will that transition over um, to the college curriculum? Understood, and thank you for that. Ryan, do you offer any supports for students that may have had an IEP or a 504 while in high school? And if you do, I would appreciate it if you could just elaborate on whatever it is that you offer. Definitely. So here at Hobart and Smith Colleges, we mentioned those 13 centers earlier and how it makes us unique. One of those centers is the Center for Teaching and Learning. And many different avenues through the Center for Teaching and Learning. Um, but in one of the avenues is for students with disabilities, students with an IEP. And we have many different opportunities for them. You will actually have a counselor um, through this process, who's a specialist in our Center for Teaching and Learning, where you can go to for many different opportunities, whether that's you need extension on a paper, on a test, you need to take a test in a different room, um, you need a little bit more 
extra help in this specific topic, in a specific class, for a specific test, whatever it might be. Our Center for Teaching and Learning is there for all students. And really what their mission is here is to engage with the HWS community to enhance equity, inclusion, and access by working to remove institutional classroom and environmental barriers that impact learning. So that's just a little bit about our Center for Teaching and Learning for students. Well, thank you so much for that, Ryan. And I just want to mention that if you have any links, whether it's for that center or the general office of admissions, I'm happy to put all of those links and more into our show notes. So just send them to me so that we could share them with parents and uh, prospective students. You mentioned that you're the assistant football coach. So I'm looking forward to asking you the following question. Ryan, what about students aspiring to play sports in college? What advice do you have for prospective student athletes, of course, in terms of making their intentions to play known? Yeah, that's a phenomenal question. And here at Hobart William Smith College, we have 35 sports, um, all, all at the Division three level, except for our um, men's across who plays at the Division one level. And, and yes, like I said, I, I am the assistant football coach here and I played four years of football here at, at Hobart. Yeah. And it, and it was great. And, and, and I think I could, I could go on and name all these stats, but we all know transitioning from playing high school sports into college sports is such a unique opportunity and only a small percentage of student athletes have that opportunity. And so I think it's something that, that will enhance the student in terms of, you know, how they perceive college, but also, you know, their college experience as well. It, it, it's another opportunity for that student to grow as an individual in such a vital kind of age group. You know, you're, you're coming out of college at 18, you're going to graduate at 22. It's such a great transition for students to grow. And I think college athletics is a perfect way for that to happen. And in terms of making their intentions to play known, um, there's so many different opportunities to do that. Maybe that's right off the bat. Maybe that's, hey, I, I you know, I just got done playing four years of, of uh, field hockey and I want to play in college and I've made that known since junior year. And that's through film. That's through saying it out to coaches. That's through making connections with coaches. Or maybe it's on the other side of things. Maybe it's, I'm not so sure if I want to play a sport in college. I only played lacrosse for three years, but I would I would love to check it out in college, maybe at a club level, but also maybe at a varsity level. And maybe it's not having those conversations with the coach directly. Maybe it's working through the admissions process, being admitted into the school, and then saying, you know what, I can see myself, you know, being a part of this team, being a part of this community and jumping right right onto there. But in terms of student athletes um, wanting to be recruited at different institutions, um, one one piece of advice I would say is definitely um, be over communicating. <laughs> you know, be 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 thorough through the process and kind of know your values. What do you want in a college athletic team? You know, make that list and then be thorough during it. Talk to the coaches. Talk to the players see their experience, see if you can see yourself being in that locker room or being coached by that specific coach or position group. And something that I that has been super popular over the years, and I most certainly used it when I was being recruited to play football, was um, the social media presence. And I believe that, you know, the social media presence is so phenomenal for our student athletes. 
it's another way of getting your name out there, another way of marketing yourself. And it's something that's been so prominent over the, over the past couple of years. And it's something that um, will continue to do that. So for student athletes interested in being recruited, utilize that social media presence of yourself and really market yourself, put yourself out there. It's, it's always funny. LinkedIn is such a, um, a kind of post, not post-grad, but you know, you're in, you're in college and you're ready to look for jobs and you use LinkedIn, which is um, a way for, for different companies to look at your, you know, your resume, to look at your work experience, who you are as a person. And that's what, you know, these different platforms such as Twitter and Instagram can be used for in the recruiting process. And it, you know, it's something that's, that's ideal for college coaches to reach out and to see your film. So. Well, I really appreciate that insight, and I knew it was going to be outstanding because as a former player and now assistant coach, that is a great answer, and I love what you said to students, over-communicate. If you are a prospective student athlete, your intention is to play at the collegiate level, you can't emphasize the fact that you have to over-communicate. you got to let your intentions be known. Social media presence, another great point, whether it's LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, I mean, am I allowed to say Facebook, Brian? Do teenagers <laughs> yeah. use Facebook? I know that us old folks, you know, me and the parents, we use Facebook. But the point is, is students, you know, getting your presence known on social media in terms of your t- intentions to play is another great piece of advice. And it all fun- falls under the umbrella of marketing yourself. You know, you have to let coaches know who you are, what your skill set is, and what your intentions are. So, Ryan, great advice, which leads us to the last question, which is, what are the three top pieces of advice you would give a student and their parents who are getting ready for the college admissions process? Oh yeah, I'm gonna attack this in a couple. <laughs> I'm gonna do three, three totally different ones. And 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 my first one, I kind of mentioned it before. Um, it find find your values in terms of what do you value in a school? You know, maybe it's that checklist, and how you're gonna figure that checklist out is researching these schools, going to visit these schools. Maybe you don't know your checklist or what you value in a school yet because you're so early in the process, but maybe it's, you know, I'm going to go visit a couple schools and, and wow, I really don't like the large school experience or I really don't like the small classrooms and I want something a little bit larger. And you're not going to be able to know that checklist or know what you value until you actually experience it or research it a little bit more. And my second piece of advice, um, and like I said, this one's a little bit different, is choose a good email address and use it for the entire process. And it's so funny because many students and, and, and demonstrated interest is something that many different schools maybe look at or maybe not. And using this, this, this good email address can be beneficial for that demonstrated interest. You know, not having all these emails in this one main email address and, and important emails getting lost and, and, and getting deeper down in the list. So you're going to be using this, this email address for many different things through the FAFSA, through the Common App, through different colleges. So, so you know, make sure it's a, it's a good one that you're going to check routinely um, and that, that you, you and your parents can be able to kind of pluck through during the process. Um, and, and my last piece of advice is don't let this process overwhelm you. Um, and, and being a junior and a senior, you can definitely let it overwhelm you. Um, and I, I would definitely recommend 
you know, choosing one night of the week to talk about it, you know, as, as a family. And, and, you know, it doesn't have to dominate your senior year if you don't want it to. Um, don't let it be overwhelming in the sense that it's, you know, it's on your mind all the time and it's affecting academics or it's affecting extracurriculars. You know, it's, it's such a pivotal time in these 18 year olds lives. And, and, um, you want, you know, obviously to go to your ideal college and your dream school and, and, and to, um, be excited about this process. But, um, like I said, with families going through it as well, don't, don't let it overwhelm senior year and, and definitely find some time to, to really, um, you know, take that time to speak about the institutions that, that you are interested in. Well, Brian, I think that's phenomenal advice. Number one, finding your values, knowing if you want that small school feel, big school feel. I'll share very quickly that my own daughter, my oldest one, initially thought she wanted to go to a huge rah-rah school. And although it was a lot of fun visiting, it really was, she learned quickly that that was not for her. It is for the many thousands of students that go to a school like that uh, or schools like that. But for her, she preferred something on the smaller level. My other daughter is in a mid-sized school. So I love that advice in terms of finding your values, visit. Do you want a small school? Do you want a large school? Do you want to be close to home? Do you want to be in a rural area? Do you want to be in an uh, urban area? These are very important items that you have to be true to yourself and ask those questions. And again, it, it's not about where your friends are applying you really have to know what's true to you. So that's great advice. I love the get a unique email address, which is true. So many of us have old email addresses that get hundreds of spam emails a day. And so when you're applying to colleges, whether it's filling out the FAFSA form, the Common App, as you mentioned, you don't want to lose any important emails. And you mentioned their demonstrated interest. Colleges do email you students. They do have the ability to check whether you are reading the email. If there are embedded links in the email, they do have the ability to see if in fact you open them, if you engage with the email. So I think that's great advice to set up a separate email so that you could keep track of all of the communications that surely will come uh, the students and parents way while going through the college admissions process. And lastly, I love what you said, enjoy the process, visit schools, and of course, Choose a night once a week where you're going to dedicate it to the college process with your family. I think that's a great piece of advice so that it becomes hopefully less overwhelming for students and, of course, their parents. So, Ryan, what a great conversation. I loved hearing about Hobart and William Smith Colleges. Thank you so much for your time and your insight today. Thank you, John. I really appreciate it. And, and if your listeners have any questions, feel free to reach out to me. I'm super excited to talk about my alma mater here and, of course, um, my experience, but also what this beautiful place has to offer for um, many high school seniors. Well, we appreciate your insight, Ryan. And surely Hobart and William Smith Colleges are very lucky to have you. And we were very lucky to have you on the show today. Thank you again so much. Thank you. Thank you for joining us on this episode of The Cap, the College Admissions Process Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the show. If you did, please don't forget to tell a friend and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and wherever you listen to your podcasts. I am your host, John Durante, and I look forward to seeing you on the next episode of The Cap.